And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM as we get back into the quiz for the day. Uh, Lawson, what's the next clue that we have right there? Right, I'm going to do double clues. Double, double clues coming double up. Double clues. Double clues. Up oh, that's what we grabs. do. That's what we do when we have uh, Mon on in the morning. Here we go. God. Oh, okay. No, I skipped a clue. Okay, here's the actual clue. The people of this city tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Who might that be? Ooh, and now our next clue oh, So is, what city might that be? God sent Gabriel to this city. Hmm, we have some corroborating evidence. If you know which city this is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. You will get a prize. I would say that this particular city is being triangulated in the clues. Is that because we've had three clues so far? Yes. <laughs> okay. I know. And I wanted to use that word. <laughs> Alrighty. Like triangulating. Okay, Lyle, Encounter with God. What are we studying We are today? studying Revelation chapter 12. It is an amazing chapter. So much fascinating insights in this particular mm. chapter of the Bible that we need to dig into, that we need to investigate, that we need to study, that we need to understand. And we were talking about the woman, the prophecy of the woman. The Bible is very, very clear that a woman in Bible prophecy symbolizes a church. There are mm-hmm. a multitude of passages that uh, uh, um, that indicate this, and so we have found here a prophecy about God's church. We have noted that in the prophecy of God's church, that first of all, the, the, the church starts off in the, uh, at the time of Jesus and the apostles, so God's church has... Uh, 12 leaders at its head at the beginning. We then find that the church goes into the wilderness for three and a half years, and we find that uh, three and a half years in Bible prophecy, a day symbolizes a year. That brings you to 1,260 days. Mm -hmm. So God's church goes into the wilderness for 1,260 days Mm -hmm. um, or years which is the Dark Ages from 538 to 1798. We've looked at those dates a number of times as we've studied through Bible prophecy in the past. We talked about some of the history about where God's church would be during this time period. We talked about how that, uh, you know, due to persecution from Western Christianity, um, Bible-based Christianity went to the more remote parts of the world and survived there. Ethiopia being one of those that uh, I'm leaving for on Friday to mm. head to Ethiopia. Stop for Sabbath in Singapore and then uh, continue on from there. And so we find that uh, God's church is, uh, yeah, hiding away in these kind of places. Then we find a story about the, you know, a, 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 a section in parentheses or or brackets, so to speak, that is uh, dealing with, you know, how did it come to this? It goes back, talks about the great controversy that took place in heaven. Then it picks up the story again with some previouslys. And that's where we pick up the story today. Yes. So we've just dealt with the previouslys. Now... We are into some new information. Okay, so previously is verse 14. Let's just just remind ourselves of that. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 14, But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. Okay, time, times, and half a time, one year, two years, and half a year. That's a, a, a Hebrew-Jewish expression right there. Um, and of course, we then have, uh, she's gone into the wilderness, 
uh, during this period. That's what we mentioned before. But then what happens after that in verse 15? The Bible says in verse 15, Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. Okay, now this is interesting passage right here. Mm. What is the flood all about? Yes. How does the dragon try and drown her with a flood and then keep reading and tell me what it is that saves the woman? But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. So what is it that helps the woman? The earth. The earth helps the woman. The earth helps the woman. Okay, so let's look at the symbol of the flood to begin with. Okay. All right. Um, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19, the Bible says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Mm. Okay, so let's I'll show you some, inter- some interesting things in relationship to this right here. The Bible talks about when the enemy comes in like a flood. Mm. In the Bible, a flood is a symbol of an invading force. Okay, what does water symbolize in the Bible? People. That's right. And a flood is a destructive um, mm. type or of water. Yes. It is, it yes, is, yes. It's water that is being destructive. Yes. And so it is a fit symbol of an invasion because mm-hmm. when a flood comes it invades the land mm. and when an invasion comes it invades the land and throughout the bible you're going to find the flood is symbolic of a military invasion mm-hmm. so we've got we've got symbols here of invasion do you know what the word euphrates means river <laughs> well i know that it's a river does it mean invasion it simply means flood 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 river it simply means flood that's awesome so this is, this is an interesting this, thought. Yeah. Interesting. Go, 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 Revelation 16. Go to Revelation 16. Yeah, oh. Revelation 16. And while we're turning to Revelation 16, um, let's think about ancient Babylon. Mm-hmm. Let me think about this for a moment. This, will, this, will, this is a bit of a deep thought. Ooh. Okay, so here it comes for breakfast. Don't get indigestion with all these heavy thoughts. It's like one of the thoughts you have in the shower. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're listening in the shower this morning. <laughs> um, who knows? But anyway... Um, <clears throat> Follow me with this. Okay. Ancient Babylon uh-huh. was supported by the river Euphrates. Right? Yes, yes. The river Euphrates was its lifeblood. Mm-hmm. The lifeblood of any city is its water supply. Yes. Ancient Babylon was built over the river Euphrates. Mm-hmm. It was on both sides of the river Euphrates. And when Cyrus the Persian conquered the city of Babylon, he did so by diverting the river Euphrates. Mm -hmm. So the river Euphrates, the support for Babylon, dried up. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's go to Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12. What happens down at the very end of time? The Bible says, And the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates river, and it dried up so that the kings from the east could march their armies towards the west without hindrance. Okay, so guess how Cyrus dried up the river Euphrates. He diverted it. He dug a great tunnel, uh, a great canal, I should say. And in essence, the earth, the canal, swallowed up the entire river and the river ran dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the support for Babylon yes. runs dry. Yes. 
that military power that Babylon has to go against God's people and to persecute them for 1,260 years runs dry mm. because it has been swallowed up by the earth. Yes. Okay, interesting stuff because in Revelation chapter 16, it is a repeat of what has taken place in the mm. past. Yeah. Type and any type coming through right here. Yes. Okay, so I hope you all... Uh, Staying with me this morning. Okay, so we have a flood, which is a symbol of a military invasion. Mm. And, oh, by the way, we've got uh, Kelvin um, texting through and stating that it was Lamech who took him two wives, Adar and Zilhar. That's Genesis chapter 4 and verse 20. So I believe that I was correct this morning <laughs> when we were chatting with Mon a little earlier. Yeah, shout out, Kelvin. Bringing us the facts. And Darren is texting in to say, what a beautiful version of I Believe. Mm. Thank you. Thank you to our producer. Yeah. Shell's on this morning. and uh, She's killing it. Absolutely. Always does. Mm. Best music ever. <laughs> you kind of have to say that. But anyway. Of course I do. <laughs> <coughs> yes. Anyway, um, back to where we were. We're talking about this, uh, that the flooding river, the mm-hmm. invasion, it's yes, drying yes. up, and the earth swallowing it. Okay, so we're going to go look at the symbol of the earth now. What does the earth symbolize? Um, the earth symbolizes the earth. Okay. Or an, Hold it, it, don't it, 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 Stay right there. Stay right there. We're going to look at the symbol of the earth in the context of this prophecy. Mm. Because Revelation 12 is part of Revelation 13, which is part of Revelation 14. Ooh, I think I know what it is now then. All right, all right. This this will blow your mind when we get there. All right, I'm so ready. Revelation chapter 13, I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. That's verse 1. Mm. And so right here you have a beast that rises out of the sea. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Now I want you to read verse 11. Verse 11, please. yeah. You knew I was going to go. Yeah, there. yeah. I was looking at it. I was like, oh, here we go. And then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. Okay, so we have another beast coming up out of the earth right mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a contrast between these yes. two, isn't there? Yes. And whenever the Bible is... Whenever the Bible is giving you a contrast, it is giving you a contrast for a very, very specific reason. Yes. Uh, The Bible wants to draw your attention to this and wants you to focus on it and find out what do these symbols symbolize. Okay, so if we go to Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15, if you want to read that one for us, please, Lawson. Yes, Revelation. The Bible tells us what the sea is going to symbolize. 17, 15, the Bible says, Then the angel said to me, The waters were the prostitute. Uh, where the prostitute is ruling represent masses of people of every nation and language. Okay, so we've got masses of people right here. Yes. Masses and masses of people of every nation and language, and that's what the sea symbolizes. The earth and the sea are two opposites, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if the sea symbolizes masses of people, nations, languages, um, and tongues, it says in my Bible, then... It symbolizes a part of the earth that is heavily populated, Mm. where there are multiple nations, Mm. um, various empires that have ruled. There are multiple languages. The earth is going to symbolize the opposite of that, Mm -hmm. Um, a place where there are not masses of people, where it is sparsely populated, where it might have a tribal 
kind of existence mm. where you don't have those established nations, where you don't have those large empires um, mm. and, you know, large civilizations, so to speak. And so you're looking at really two opposites here. Now, we're going to study this as we go through Revelation chapter 13. We're going to study in great detail. If you've got questions between now and then, then please contact us because I'm just going to summarize this right now. 1-800-324-843 is the number. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. So if you're, going, if you're scratching your head and going, where did Lyle get that from? Stay with us. We're going to cover it in chapter 13. Uh, but before we get to chapter 13, we're going to just mention it right now. This is a symbol of the United States. Ooh, big claims. Yes. All right. Okay, so you've got two great nations mm-hmm. in Revelation chapter 13. One of them, the second one, is the United States. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is very, very specific in the identifying characteristics that it gives to that particular country, very, very specific in the dates that it gives for the rise of that nation to power, Mm. and very specific about the role that the United States would play in the future, and that we can say that, see that the United States is playing right now. Wow. Mm. And so just while, uh, um, I guess all of our American friends are patting themselves on the back, um, like, oh, wow, we're in the Bible prophecy. Yeah, the Bible does say that it speaks like a dragon. <laughs> Ouch. And we are going to get there and find out what that is all about as well. But if you haven't seen the United States speaking like a dragon recently, then maybe you have not been watching the news. <laughs> okay, so the Bible says that the dragon pours out water like a flood. There's going to be an invading force that's going to try and destroy the church that is hiding in the wilderness Mm. and that the earth, symbolizing the United States, will help the woman. So let me now share with you a little bit of history because I always love history and I love how history goes along with Bible prophecy. Mm. You had the great period of... Um, persecution that took place between 538 and 1798. This was when the Inquisition ruled the world Mm -hmm. and 150 million people lost their lives because of their faith in Jesus Christ and in his word and in salvation by grace alone. Mm -hmm. When you come towards the end of this time period, you find that there are those who are looking for places where they can go to find freedom from persecution. There is a tremendous amount of persecution in the world and people looking for places of freedom, and the United States becomes that place. Yeah, well. Beginning in Rhode Island, they establish religious liberty. And then, of course, you've got other great states that come up on the same principles of religious liberty, Pennsylvania and so mm. forth, and these become havens where any persecuted person can go Mm. and find freedom and and, and religious liberty. And so even though you had some a tremendous amount of bigotry that existed in these states, you could be as bigoted as you want, but you could not stop a person from worshipping however they wanted to worship. You know, even a Jewish person could go there. Can you imagine? Yeah, wow. You know, back in the day that was kind of... Unheard of. Mm. Um, what was more unheard of would have been an Islamic person, but I don't know that we have too much record of uh, people of those faiths going there. Mm. And while the United States, you know, not all parts of the United States had that level of religious liberty, uh, there was um, 
in you know in, in portions of it, and then of course it grows to power. And when the constitution is put together, and an experiment takes place where they are going to have a nation that does not have a king, mm. something unheard of in the world at that time. Religious liberty and separation of church and state is at the very core of what they enshrine into their constitution. And the reason for this is very, very simple. You see, what was happening was that the American colonies were looking across the Atlantic. They were watching the Inquisition taking place. Mm. And they wrote into their constitution, they're like, okay, how can we ensure that the Inquisition, which is, of course, the Roman Catholic uh, secular judicial system by which they would put people to death yeah, for their faith. They're like, how can we ensure that such a thing never, ever, ever, ever comes to the United States? And so they wrote a number of amendments to their constitution that are very famous today, mm. one of them being uh, separation of church and state, mm-hmm. that the state would never be run by a church. Mm. Um, religious liberty. Every person is free to worship as his conscience dictates. Mm. They brought in the Fifth Amendment, the right to remain silent. Now, that's a really bizarre thing, but that was actually a reaction to the Inquisition because the right to remain silent outlaws the use of torture. Yeah, wow. And they were legislating against the Inquisition in that. The right to bear arms. Yeah. Um, which is so controversial. <laughs> but that was placed in the Constitution so that if there came a time when the Constitution was done away with, then the population of the United States could rise up and retake their country mm. from a government that became a religious government. Mm. Um, so all of these, you know, when we, when we look across at the US and we, and we look at, you know, some of their... Aspects of their constitution, we think, you know, this is so great, this is so fantastic, this is amazing. The reason for it was that it was reactionary. Mm. The United States Constitution is very reactionary against the Inquisition that, you know, was taking place in Spain and other places like this, Portugal and so forth. You know, at this very time, they were watching it happen. Mm. And they're like, how can we make sure this never comes here? And as a result, what they became was a haven for every persecuted person on the planet. Mm. Interesting history that the United States has. Become a haven for people fleeing from persecution, particularly religious persecution. And may they never leave that that ideal. That's a fantastic ideal. May Mm. it always be a place of freedom from persecution. What this, in effect, did, and I should add, that it wasn't all just Roman Catholic persecution by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, the, uh, the 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 Mayflower mm. that founded the the, the 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 early colony up there in Massachusetts, they were fleeing from persecution, but mm. they were not fleeing from the Roman Catholic Church. They were Puritans fleeing from the Anglican Church. Yeah, wow. From Protestant persecution. And so Protestant persecution was something that was massive during this time period as well. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting story. Of course, of course, they brought persecution, you know, uh, across the United States there with them because they just didn't have this concept of separation of church and state. They got involved in witch burnings and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, some, yeah. some pretty infamous, uh, um, you know, it was really down in Rhode Island where it really all started. Yeah. 
um, and was just such a revolutionary idea. Anyway, I have raved on and on and on. Yes. No, it's been good. We're loving it. Just love the history. History is fantastic. So good. Puts the Bible in its context. The earth helped the woman and swallowed up the flood. Mm. Um, And that's exactly what took place. We're going to move on with uh, the Lesser Light Collective, which is... It all comes down to the lamb slain from the foundation of creation. It all comes down to the life poured out in the center of Let me tell you a story, we'll start with the sea beast, he seeks his own glory, up from the sea he comes looking gory, with seven heads, ten horns, blasphemies on each head, it's a leopard with a bear's feet, a lion's mouth that'll fill you with dread, the dragon gives him power, power to devour, power to make everyone bow down and cower, a wound on its head should have left it dead, but it's resurrected and respected instead. And the world is awed, treats the dragon and the beast like Hollywood stars. In arrogance, he blasphemes the temple and its god. For 42 months, he wars to overcome the saints. But here's the patient saints. The beast will get his payment. Wait, and if your name isn't found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're gonna worship him. That beast with sadistic plans, he's got the whole world in his hands. And he's not just a violent opposer, he's a subtle imposter, a two-faced poser. If you're not his enemy, then you're his soldier. You don't know enough to win the battle on your own. He who enslaves will be a slave, killers will be killed. The beast seems to rule, but the prophecy will be fulfilled. It all comes down to the lamb slain from the foundation of creation. It all comes down to Is its middle name Undercover killer Friends with the sea beast Shares in its bragging Falling down so far Feels like flying Leading the majority Away from Mount Zion It's an atrocity Flavoring idolatry Spitting in the face Of the God They say they're following He performs signs Fire from the heavens falling Multitudes fooled By the power that is calling Word of God's only thing That can free them It all comes down To the Lamb Did you buy the beast Program friend It's time to uninstall Cause with all his commands there's a virus involved Speaks through his teeth Make an image to the beast He breathes into life And the pressure's increased Makes a mark on their forehead Or hand at least So we can see clearly Who will be policed Each victim receives it Whether small or great Whether rich or poor Whether free or slave He tricks Buy or sell But your soul it can't fix Let him with understanding Calculate this The number of the beast Is 666 He down to God is slain from the foundation of the creation and all comes down. 
Welcome back, guys. That was the Lesser Light Collective with Choose Your Beast. Uh, very creative yeah. um, <laughs> rendition of that that moves a little bit further ahead in the story when we talk about the two beasts of Revelation mm-hmm. chapter 13. But, of course, we have been touching on that because it is central to what we've been dealing with right here yeah. in Revelation chapter 12. So, uh, yeah, great song choice right there. Let's, uh, let's finish off Revelation chapter 12. How about mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Verse 17, please, Lawson. Okay, the Bible says, And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Okay, so let's uh, work our way through this particular passage right here. The Bible says that the dragon was angry with the woman. Mm. The woman, obviously, symbol of the church, and this, is, of course, is uh, you, you can sort of see here what is taking place because you've got this whole um, aspect of, you know, he thinks he has the church. Yeah. He thinks he's going to destroy it, and this has been Satan's desire. This has been his, his, his attempt all the way down through mm-hmm. history. He's come very close on a number of occasions. So, you know, you think back to the time of Noah and the flood, yeah. and through Satan's efforts, he's able to re- Reduce the church just to eight people. Yeah. Uh, you come down to the time of Abraham and you wonder, you know, how many faithful people were there in the world in the time of Abraham? We mm. really don't know. Then you come down to, you know, the time of the wilderness and how many people were faithful in the wilderness. You can work down through the kings and so forth. Mm. You can come down to a period when, you know, even the word of God was not known to exist. There was no known copy of the Bible anywhere in existence in the world. And then they found it as they were cleaning the rubbish out of the temple. Mm. Um, you can come down to the time of Daniel, the Babylonian invasion, where God's people have all been taken into captivity. You've got Daniel and his three friends, and they're just, you know, these four teenagers that are captives in Babylon. And you can think of, you know, Satan smiling to himself and say, you know what? I'm going to own the whole world yeah. in a very short space of time. Mm. And each time he comes close, and each time he fails. Yeah. Once again, you come here, you find that the dragon is just infuriated because he's poured out this great flood of persecution Mm. on Christianity. And as a result of that, you find that uh, the the earth swallows up the flood. You know, uh, the United States States steps in and becomes a place of refuge for people who are being persecuted because of their religion. It becomes a place uh, of freedom. And that, of course enables it to grow into the great nation that it is today. But as you can imagine, every time Satan is thwarted, mm. it makes him angry. Yeah, and he comes comes back again. I think the most amazing thing about this time of persecution during the you know the 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 1260 days is that we're seeing that the persecution like Satan's set up a system where the persecution is coming from Christianity itself. And so he's just like, I'm, I'm in. Like, it's over. It's done. I've got this. And every single time we look at, yeah, as we were talking about over the last couple of days last week, you know, the Celtic Christians and the Waldensies and, and just all these guys who keep, who are just keeping the religion pure. And then he's got all of them at, towards the end of the 1798. And then it's like, oh, and then America comes along. Like, it's just, 
every single time. There's, there's just always something thwarting him yeah. somewhere at some point. He's just struggling. But yeah. but yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Okay, the Bible goes on, it says, and uh, the where were we? Uh, the dragon was angry with the woman, went mm-hmm. to make war with the remnant of her seed. Mm. That's what it says in the uh, the old school KJV yeah, the right old, there. The, the remnant of it. Remnant simply means that which remains. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those that remain, that is a phrase obviously talking about those that remain right down to the end. Mm -hmm. So those that remain at the end of time, the remnant of her seed. So what we're dealing with here is God's church at the end of time. Mm. So we need to identify then how do we find God's church at the end of time? This is one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, well, where do I go? How do I worship? What what should I be a part of at the end of time, Mm. you know? Aren't they all just as good as each other? Yeah. And the Bible says, the Bible gives you some very clear identifying characteristics right here so that you can identify God's church at the end of time. And what is the first thing that the Bible says here? It says, which keep the commandments of God. Now, this is a bit of a theme that is going Mm -hmm. to run from here through to the very end of the book of Revelation. Yeah. And so the Bible says that God's people at the end of time keep the commandments of God. If you go to Revelation 14, once again, um, talking about those who gain the victory over the mark of the beast. So that's God's people at the end of time. Mm. It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So not only does this verse tell you what they do, it tells you how they do it. Mm. So how do they do it according to 14 verse 12? They do it. According to 14 and verse 12, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, patiently obeying his commandments and maintaining their faith in Jesus. So, Absolutely, maintaining their faith in Jesus. Oh, man, enduring persecution patiently, maintaining <laughs> their faith. Oh. Maintaining their faith in Jesus. It is, it is impossible yeah. to keep the commandments of God mm. without faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus is the center to that. Jesus is the only way that we gain the power to be able to do any of this. Mm. And uh, one more verse I'll read very quickly in chapter 22, verse 14. Right down at the end of the Bible, some people say that the New Testament does away with the law of God. Well, you can't go any further into the New Testament than Revelation 22. It says, Blessed are those that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into Mm. the city. And so the first thing that you need to look for and the first thing that you need to consider in relationship to God's church at the end of time is, do they stand by the commandments of God? Mm. Do they keep the commandments of God or not? Yeah. Um, And so that's something that uh, is very, very crystal clear identifying characteristic of God's people at the end of time. That is the movement that we need to be a part of. Okay, then it continues on. It says that they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Mm. Let me read you this from, uh, where are we, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. It's an interesting experience that um, that John has here. He's so overcome by this vision that he's having that he worships the angel. Yeah. I guess that angel is very powerful and very mm. amazing. And after having received so much of this prophecy, he just he just wants to, wants to worship and he worships the angel. And the angel rebukes him. And in verse 10, he says, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, see that you do not do this. I am your fellow servant 
and of your brothers that have the testimony of Jesus. Mm. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Wow. So that's a defining verse. That's defining mm. for you what the testimony of Jesus mm-hmm. is. The Bible says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now we have to figure out what is the spirit of prophecy. Yes. Um, and, of course, that could be a number of different things. It could be one of the gifts of the Spirit that enables you to be able to teach the prophecies of the Bible. Mm. Uh, in other words, the gift of teaching. Yes. Or it could be the gift of prophecy itself. Mm-hmm. But notice here that the angel says, I am of your brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. So we find that the brethren have the testimony of Jesus. Mm. This is John's brethren. So John is a part of a a group of people who have the testimony of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then he says that they have the spirit of prophecy. So the group of people that John is a part of have the spirit of prophecy. Spirit of prophecy, yeah. All right, so what group is he a part of? You go over the page, Revelation chapter 22, we find that John was a bit of a slow learner. He tries to worship the angel again, and the angel says, don't do it. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren. Here it is, the prophets. And so the gift of prophecy is manifest through the prophets. Now, we're out of time. This is Keith and Kristen Getty, The Power of the Cross.
to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are you part of camping caravanning scene? Join Australia's largest annual national gathering of travellers and caravanners at the Stewart's Point Convention Centre this year, Stewart's Point, New South Wales. It's an amazing campground among the trees. Inspirational Christian speakers. With incredible music. And beautiful beaches. And a relaxing environment. Be part of the community and make friends for life. May 10 through 18, Stewart's Point Caravan and Convention Centre. Contact Debbie on 02 or simply email graynomads at adventist.org.au.
That was Rob Smith and Nikki Chiswell with Across the Streets here on Faith FM. Time to get into question of the day. Have we got time for another clue for the quiz? Oh, yeah, we do. Here we yeah, go. Let's hit it real quick. What city am I? Right, so we already know that God sent Gabriel to this city. Yes. We already know that these people from the city tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. Yes. So, this was where Mary lived when she found out she would give birth to the Son of God. So, where was Mary living at that particular time? If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call, and there is a prize coming your way. But right now, we have question of the day. Yes, and the question is, what does wine symbolize in the Bible? That's a really great question, and the answer to that comes from a number... The, the Bible symbol, the Bible uses wine, I should say, let me get there, to symbolize a number of different things. So first of all, you have wine that is described this way, and this is Isaiah 65 and verse 8, Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster... And one says, destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all. Notice here the Bible is using wine here as a symbol, but and, and, a, and a symbol of God's people that are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's not just any kind of wine that symbolizes those that are covered by the blood of Christ. It is new wine that is in the cluster. In other words, it's still in the grapes. This is not alcoholic wine. This is when you squish the grapes and that sweet juice comes pouring out of those grapes. And of course, this was the wine that was used in the communion service. If we go over to Matthew chapter 26 and we find it right here in verse 28, uh, the Bible says, Jesus says, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so this wine symbolizes those who are covered by the blood of Jesus. It symbolizes the blood of Jesus, and it symbolizes the return of Jesus. Notice from the next verse, but I say unto you, I will not drink any more of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That promise right there, whenever we consider the communion service, is designed to point us forward to the return of Jesus Christ and the coming of Jesus. And so the new wine that is found in the cluster is a symbol of the blood, the pure, spotless, untainted blood of Jesus Christ. Of course, fermentation in the Bible is a symbol of sin. And if we go to Proverbs uh, chapter 20, verse 1, the Bible speaking about fermented wine says wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived by it is not wise. We turn over the page, we come to chapter 23, we go down to verse 31. The Bible says, don't even look at the wine when it's red, when it gives its color in the cup, when it moves itself or when it bubbles itself aright. At last it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will behold strange women and your heart shall utter perverse things. This is alcohol, and this symbolizes something vastly different. If you go back to, uh, where are we, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 17, the Bible says, He that loves pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loves wine and oil shall not be rich. And the wine and the oil used in conjunction with each other here in this passage is a symbol of a, of the party atmosphere, of having a good time um, in a worldly sense. But getting drunk and smashing your brain and doing things the Bible should never tells you should never be a part of. 
And so wine symbolizes a number of different things. It symbolizes those who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It symbolizes the blood of Jesus Christ. It points us to the return of Jesus Christ. That is pure, unfermented grape juice that is called wine in the Bible. Alcohol, of course, is symbolized by those who live the party life and the drunken life and who uh, will lose out on salvation as a result of that. So there's a very, very serious contrast that you have right there. Don't forget, if you have question of the day that you would like to send through, our number is 1-800-324-843, or you can text it on 0491-064-669. We would love to answer your question of the day right here on Faith FM. Right now we're going to move on with Josh White. Uh, he's going to bring us this song which is enclosed by you.
host Josh White with Enclosed by You here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of the show, which means that you are going to get something for free. Yes. What are we getting, Lawson? Okay, we have a book, and it is called End Time Hope, A Journey to Eternity. Of course, we've been talking about end time things. We've been looking in the book of Revelation, which is not exclusively, but largely about the end times. This is a book that is mostly about the future and the end times. And, and so, yeah, I thought it would be a very appropriate book to give out, you know. Um, I, like, I like how that uh, it's it, it, sort of journey to eternity kind of yeah. runs together, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, journey to eternity. It's like, yeah, we're sort of in this place as, as, as you know, especially Seventh-day Adventist Christians where we believe Jesus is coming mm. soon. It's right on our doorstep and we know that the accompanying signs with that, you know, in, in Revelation Matthew 24 is persecution you know our world going crazy like it's 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 gnarly um absolutely and this book just just goes into this is a book by pastor mark finley um a guy that i don't know personally but i've read some of his stuff i and, know this guy and he lyle you know this guy i love how positive he always is whenever he presents the book of revelation which he does often you know it's revelation speaks hope that's, mm. his, that's his theme. So good. It is. So, yeah, if you want this book, give us a call, 1-800-324-843. You will get it. We'll send it to you. It'll be great. You'll be happy. We'll be happy because you gave us a call. And we love talking to you guys. We love... And it's more blessed to give than receive. Do not hold us back from receiving a blessing this morning. Mm, 100%. So, give us a call or text us in at 0491064669 or maybe hit us up on social medias or whatever it may be. But, of course, we've come to the end of our show. We've had an awesome time sharing with you guys, um, you know, doing interviews with people. Just an awesome, awesome time. And, of course, if you would like to do my Bible study series, which is called The Prophetic Code, if you enjoy the prophecies of the Bible and want to study them more deeply, then give us a call and we can make that happen through the Discovery Center, you can call us right here on... Thank you.